1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Todd Nettleton, who's the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, he's also the Chief of Media Relations and Message Integration for VOM and the author of When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. Joining us right now is our good friend Todd Nettleton. Morning, Todd. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we always love to have you and to hear the stories that you bring. And recently you returned from Southeast Asia, had a chance to sit down with several Christians who have faced persecution. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, one of the Christians that we met, actually a whole congregation, uh, the congregation of the Mayflower Church. And this is a church that uh, was in China. It was a growing congregation there. And as they saw what was happening in China, they saw the persecution coming. They saw the education of their children being completely dominated by the Communist Party. Uh, they made the decision as a congregation to leave China and, and go somewhere else, try to find religious freedom. Uh, we call them the Mayflower Church, obviously in reference to the pilgrims and the Mayflower. Uh, mm. They are now in a Southeast Asian country. Uh, really trying to get through the United Nations refugee process. And that could take up to five years. In the meantime, they have no status where they're at. They cannot work. Their kids cannot go to school. Uh, they are simply trying to get through this process and kind of hang on uh, until they can be relocated. They hope to the United States. There's actually a group of churches in Texas that is ready to welcome them, ready to care for them, uh, but they have to get through this UN refugee process first. Okay, that's just amazing to hear. But but part of their journey really started from a lunch that was kind of impactful. Talk about that very pointed conversation. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I was sitting down with the pastor, Pastor Pan, and I said, so, you know, how, how did you come to this idea that you should leave China? That That's such a remarkable thing. Uh, I've never heard of another congregation doing that. And he said it started when he had lunch with Pastor Wang Yi. Now, we have talked before about Pastor Wang Yi. He is currently serving a nine-year prison term in China. Pastor Pan and Wang Yi had lunch together, and he said Wang Yi looked across the table at him and said, are you ready to go to prison? And, and Pastor Pan said, I had to admit, no, I'm not. I don't want to go to prison. I'm not ready to go to prison. That's really what started him and ultimately started his congregation thinking, okay, do we want to stay in China where there is not a future where we can worship? There's not a future where we can raise our children according to our biblical concepts. 
or do we want to try to go somewhere else? And ultimately, they decided they went first to South Korea. They were rejected for religious refugee status there. Then they went on to another country. They are now working through the United Nations process. But it all started when he sat down for lunch with Pastor Wong Hee and he said, are you ready to go to prison? And I mean, I would have answered the same way. I would yeah. not want that that's that's an amazing story and so are they being supported while they're in this other uh, asian country where they can't work is our churches supporting them from other countries there is a group in texas that is helping and supporting okay. and helping to meet most of their needs but it is it is a difficult situation for them and um like i say it there there's no like set process of okay it's going to take you know three months for this thing and then mm -hmm. six months for that thing it's like hey we don't know when all these things are going to happen. The first step is an interview with the United Nations personnel there to establish, yes, I'm in danger if I go back to China. There are 16 families. Uh, two of the families have had that interview. 14 of them are still waiting for that interview. And I asked the pastor, I said, you know, so that's like half an hour, an hour. And he said, no, that's all day. Uh, you spend all day being asked questions about, okay, when did you get questioned? When did you get arrested? Are you really in danger if you go back to China? That's a day long process. So Man. 14 families are waiting to go through that. And, and then after that, then they don't know how long the next steps will take. Okay. Uh, and then, Todd, if somebody wants to learn a little bit more about the story, is there a way they can maybe hear the conversation you had? Is there any way they can learn more? Yeah, one of the great things about this is I, I recorded the conversation with Pastor Pan. That is going to be our Voice of the Martyrs radio episode this weekend. So you'll hear it here this weekend. You can also hear it in the podcast stream this weekend. Uh, just find VOM Radio wherever you look for podcasts or vomradio.net is the website. Uh, but we will have that conversation and you'll be able to hear directly from him uh, how he came to this decision, how the church came to this decision and what their situation is like right now. You picked a great time to listen because we're in a conversation with Todd Nettleton. Todd Nettleton, he's the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. And so you were in Laos uh, recently, Todd. So tell us a little bit about what's happening there. One of the interesting things about the stories that I heard, I had a chance to sit down with several pastors from Laos and just kind of dive into their stories. Hey, how did you come to faith? How did you become a pastor? What, what have you faced since you became a Christian, since you became a pastor? One of the interesting things, many of their stories, and I, as I heard, it's, it's kind of true more broadly in Laos, many of their stories feature a show of God's power in their lives that helped bring them to faith. One of the pastors we talked to was healed from a, what had been kind of a chronic illness. One of the other pastors said every time he went to bed at night, he would have horrible nightmares and horrible visions of just horrible things. They, they scared him so badly. And, and he said he somehow he heard about Jesus and he prayed one night before he went to bed, Jesus, if you're real, help me to sleep. And he slept through the night without a nightmare, without anything fearful. And the next morning he woke up and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. if, wow. if Jesus is the one who is powerful, he's more powerful than the evil spirits. He's more powerful than the other people in my village or the other things I've been praying to. I'm going to follow Jesus. And once they experience that, it's interesting because they, they really can't be knocked off course. It's like, hey, you know, you can beat me up but I still saw Jesus' power. I'm still going to follow him. You can tear down my house, but I already saw how powerful Jesus is, and I'm still going to follow him. That kind of thing just really sets their faith on kind of a bedrock from the very beginning. 
Oh, that's yeah. incredible. Those are the things that holy we, moly. Yeah, that we saw in the in the book of Acts that um you know, as Christians we can still know that God moves in that way and he answers miraculously and um wow, that's that's just so encouraging to hear. It is encouraging. And one of the other things I heard, and I found this really fascinating, every village in Laos has a, a village leader. He's appointed by the Communist Party. He's in charge of making things run right in that particular village. And as we talk to these pastors, that village leader is really the single biggest determining factor in whether Christians in that village will be persecuted or not. If the village leader is opposed to the gospel, the Christians are going to be persecuted, and it may be very intense. They could be, you know, have their houses torn down. They could be kicked completely out of the village. But if that village leader is not so violently opposed to the gospel, maybe his wife came to faith. Maybe he has a friend who's a Christian and and said, you know, he saw a difference that Christ made. If that village leader is not opposed to the gospel, there probably will be no persecution in that village. Uh, he really, it is the single biggest determining factor in what Christians in that particular village will face. And I, I asked one of the pastors, you know, it sounds like you guys need to target the village leaders with the gospel message. We yeah. need to get more of these guys saved. Mm. And they said, we are doing that. In fact, one of them, they they have a Christmas service in their village. They invite the village leader every year. They put him in a place of honor in the congregation. They make sure he gets a gift at that Christmas gathering. They're doing everything in their power to show him the love of Christ and to show him, hey, we're not a threat. We're not trying to overthrow the Communist Party. We simply want to follow Jesus. We simply want to gather together for worship. We're not a threat. And they are making inroads with these village leaders. Oh, that is really, really amazing. And I'm assuming these are, are these Muslim villages? Uh, no, not in Laos. Most of them are kind of, if you would ask them, they would say we're Buddhists. Okay. Uh, but the reality is they really are animus. They really worship the spirits, the spirits of the ancestors, the spirits of the rain, the spirits of the rocks, the the trees. Um, so it's really kind of an animus thing. But like I say, if, if you would ask them, they would say, oh, yeah, we're Buddhists. So good to have you with us on Mornings with Tom and Tavi. We're speaking with Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, Todd, I'm just going to ask you this. You know, it seems like around the world persecution is coming, but American Christians don't really think about it, don't even know how to prepare for mm. persecution. Is there anything that's available that might help people get ready? There is. And in fact, it's interesting. Last weekend on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, I had a conversation with our president at Voice of the Martyrs about that very topic. How how prepared are American Christians? How should they be getting ready? We have just released the Sabina Group Study. Now, several years ago, we had the feature film based on the life of Sabina Wormbrand, our founder at Voice of the Martyrs, co-founder. And this group study looks at some scenes from the film, but we also introduce seven modern-day Sabinas, people who are going through persecution right now or have recently gone through persecution, and some really practical things about, okay, how did they respond? What did they do? How did they hang on to their faith in Christ in spite of the fact that they were taken hostage, in spite of the fact that their father was martyred for his faith? What did they do to get through that and to continue in faithfulness and continue serving the Lord? This is a six-week video-based study. And right now, if you make a donation to VOM, it's free. We'll send a copy. We want you to use it in your family, in your Sunday school class, in your Bible study group. We want Christians in America to think about these things and to prepare in case persecution really is coming our way as well. I think that's phenomenal. It's something that I have thought about, like, would I be able to stand in the face of, of persecution? And this is actually helping us get equipped and ready for that 
Thank you so much for this resource. Well, we are excited. I'm excited. I was, I'm the host for the video segments. And so I got to sit down with some of these ladies and hear their stories. It is amazing. And I really want to encourage people take advantage of this resource. Your, your faith is going to be blessed as you go through these weeks.